0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cinema Joes, the podcast where three average Joes discuss the significant topics in movie culture. My name is Justin. To mancini i am the co-host of the podwork angels the rush hour podcast which you can find a little bit of a different topic uh, but i am here with my other co-host he is the podcast editor for the popbreak.com as well as the co-host of the tv break podcast alex marcus hello alex
1: hey justin from a certain point of view you could say i am an important figure in the podcast world hmm. from
0: a certain point of view yes <laughs> <laughs> uh we unfortunately are not joined by our other typical co-host Noah france uh but in his stead we have a very special guest because this is another one of our flashback series in which we ask special guests to discuss uh either their favorite movie or just a favorite movie and uh we are very happy to have with us today the host of the goodbye to all that and the racial draft podcast as well as a contributing writer to murphy's multiverse website michael t ford the third hello michael
2: Hey, and uh, in honor of this appearance, I am wearing the finest uh Jabba Dominatrix uh slave girl outfit. So, you know, just thought I'd stay yeah. on topic.
0: I uh, didn't <laughs> want to make a comment about it, but uh, you know, I wish our listeners could
1: appreciate it. Uh, I mean, yeah. Listen, listen, if they fork over Patreon bucks, this is the content that they could
2: see. Listen, That's good true. good money to get choked out by a person in a in a slave girl outfit with a chain. I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: A true gangster's death. <laughs> really introducing yourself right away to the listeners, Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: well, uh, if it hasn't been made abundantly clear at this point, Michael, you have chosen for us uh, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi as your movie. It was interesting to me when I when Alex told me your choice because I wouldn't have necessarily expected this one to be the one that someone would choose, but. Um, I'm curious, what has this movie meant to you? Like, and, uh, and why do you like it so much?
2: So Star Wars, uh, Return of the Jedi is the first movie that a young six-year-old me can remember seeing in the movie theaters. Um, and not only that, but I, uh, got invited to a, uh, premiere. Um, I don't know how my- Parents were able to finagle uh, tickets to the uh, premiere in Manhattan, um, where it was red carpets and people in tuxedos and uh, cast members in the audience, and you know it was a wow. whole it was a whole big to do, and I was part of the first group of people you know um, in New York to see the movie. And I got to go back to school um, with a a program and to tell all my friends that I had seen the the new Star Wars movie. And it stayed with me ever since.
1: You must have been the most popular kid in school that week. (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I definitely stretched it out as much as I could. (laughs) (laughs) But additionally, I mean, I... I was still pretty young but I had seen all the Star Wars movies multiple times and I was really looking forward to seeing how the story ended. You know, I had all the toys. I was, you know, was really I didn't have any near um level of the speculation brain that I have now. So I was just ready for the movie to wash over me and tell me what it wanted to tell me. And you know, I think it has that has kind of shaped my fandom kind of going forward where i try to remember that feeling of childlike wonder of just having the story like you know do what it does and then later you know let your imagination run and figure out different places that the story could go and with star wars you know they gave us you know a big gap of about 15 years of <laughs> just letting our imagination run as to what comes next
0: <laughs> i was curious about like what your history was with um with star wars in general but I'm also curious like I know you've probably seen all these movies multiple times since is there something mm-hmm. about Jedi in particular that you know the, that made you you know want to discuss it cuz I know it's it's of the of the original 3 I I seem to find that usually it's the one that's like kind of singled out as like maybe not living up to the other ones but yeah, what are your thoughts yeah
2: I don't I mean I I think it's probably uh, probably the most underrated, in terms of, in my opinion, you know, the how it's viewed by by subsequent generations compared to um, how how I hold them in esteem. The you know, I think that one of the things that comes up a lot now is the idea of sticking the landing. Um, like the expectations from the first Star Wars and from Empire Strikes Back were so high that. You know if it didn't stick the landing if it didn't land as well as as it did we'd have a totally different view of what star wars was and but but i don't think that enough people give it credit for it you know in particular the idea of darth vader who was this this singular scary nightmare inducing villain Hmm. coming all the way around and being redeemed um by the love of his son while in the moment we're worried about whether Luke will go to the dark side. I mean, I'm still young. I hadn't really learned about happy endings at that point. You know, so I'm thinking like, I mean, he's wearing all black. He's got the glove. You know, he's he's showing all this um level of power in the force and he's still a little bit on, you know, he's still a little bit unrestrained. Maybe he's going to go dark. Maybe it's going to, you know, I don't and and the fact that they thematically cover that aspect while also covering the the idea of there being a hope for a new Jedi order in, in both with Leia and subsequent generations, you know, because this Jedi, you know, in the beginning, we're introduced to the concept of Jedi, which a young man's imagination runs wild, knowing about all the cool things you can do with lightsabers and the force and everything. The idea of Luke, this Uh, reasonably i mean relatively young man as well being charged with the responsibility to bring back the jedi um you know is a is a very hopeful note to end on and you know even though it's the end of a series it it kind of brings things full circle because you have this this character that was just you know it's evocative of of a lot of us where we're just kind of bored with life we don't know what our destiny holds we don't know what our future holds and you know he becomes this 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 hero he discovers his identity he discovers this found family and actual family and then you know and saves the and saves the universe in the process <laughs> you know yeah sure like uh not to mention you know obviously i, I mean i was i was I was still young enough to to like girls, you know, like, you know, you have Princess Leia um and and her love story with Han Solo, you know, and and Princess Leia also kind of discovering that she is this, you know, super badass in her own right. And you know, I, I, I forgot, you know, until I sort of recently rewatched it, you know, the the parallel Of when, you know, Han tells uh, tells Leia that he loves her and then she goes, (laughs) I know. And it's just like, oh, yeah, Yeah. oh, you know, like that's, you know, it was just these are these are things that are that people underrate when they talk about this movie because they don't think about it as the culmination. We didn't know there were going to be, you know, however many years more of Star Wars. This was the end of the story to us and it ended on such a high note you know everyone got their time to shine we were introduced to in my mind having seen it in the theater as a a child one of the more iconic chase scenes the speeder bike scene through the the forest of endor you know blew my mind a wonder of special effects at the time you know iconic villain in job of the hut who still you know resonates Um, The Emperor even, I mean, obviously we had a glimpse of the Emperor, but this was the Emperor in his full glory, in his full, you know, iconic, um, whatever level that people are, this basically, he's the blueprint of the big bad, you know, because you thought that Darth Vader was was the, the awesome villain. And then you find out that there's someone even more evil, more fearsome that, you know, that we have to contend with. And, you know, I thought it was just a well executed story. And it was and it's the kind of story that sort of stayed with me for decades.
0: Those are all good reasons <laughs> <laughs> to, to quote Linus. Um, I'm <laughs> curious for you, Alex, what's what's your history uh, with this movie?
1: So uh, long time listeners of Cinema Joes will know that I actually came to Star Wars pretty late. Um, I you know, I was a kid when. Uh, the Phantom Menace came out, and I watched all of those movies in theaters. But I had not seen really any of the originals prior to that. Uh, I used they used to air on TNN on the weekends when I was a kid, and I remember I had saw like the scene from Empire Strikes Back where where um, he goes into the, where Luke goes into the cave and like has to like fight Vader, but then it's him under the mask, and that just like really scared
2: the hell out of me mm-hmm. when i was a kid yeah, I was
1: like that oh, that's, that's <laughs> no, no, no that messed, is, that messed
2: that messed me funny. up as well it was another <laughs> it was.
1: and i just remember like star wars was this thing that like a lot of adult men that i that were in my life liked and coveted and were like this was so important because like you know that would have been they would have been kind of kids or teenagers when the original Star Wars came out and I was just and I was just like well I guess this is just a thing for older people and then when the when the when the new ones the prequels came out I did watch all of them in theaters but of course that they had such a negative kind of reception and it was kind of like watching them to see if they'll finally make a good one (laughs) um and so that didn't really inspire me to go back and watch the older ones. So I really only watched this movie for the first time when I was getting hyped up in 2015 for the Force Awakens to come out, and that was my first time seeing it, which is kind of crazy to think about now because it's just like such an important part of film history.
2: Um, have, and not sorry to cut you off, Alex, but like so did, when you when you watched it, because I have very strong opinions about the watch order. Did you like? Did you watch it on its own, or did you watch it in the context of the other movies? So,
1: because I had already seen the of, like the prequel films, I decided, and so I obviously know the Darth Vader twist, and like, just being alive in the world, <laughs> it would be impossible not to. So I decided to just watch it in chronological order uh, in-universe, and so I watched the prequels first, because I also thought to myself, well do I want to end on the bad ones or do I want to, like, end on the good ones? So that made it a little bit easier, too. So I watched it in chronological order in-universe. So I started with Phantom Menace, then Attack of the Clones, then Return uh, Revenge of the Sith, and then I went into the new ones of, you know, mm-hmm. all of those. And then I did a rewatch again before the... Um, Whatever the terrible one, I always forget the name Rise of it. Rise of Skywalker. Yes, Rise no. of Skywalker. Before the Rise of Skywalker came out, and uh, and I watched it in chronological order again that time as well, and uh, and that was uh, and yeah, so, so I've this is the third time that I've seen it, I yeah. believe.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know, getting opinionated. Which which
1: order do you like
2: best? So I I you know I I've as someone who watched them as they came out theatrically, um there's a There's definitely that knock of if you watch the third movie in the prequel trilogy, it is kind of a downer. And I don't think that's the note to properly end on. So I did a little research a few years back and I learned about something called the Machete Order, wherein you watch the first two theatrically, um, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. And then you go back and watch the prequels to give more context for Return of the Jedi and then you watch Return of the Jedi because what it does is it really better uh explains the parallel between what happened with Anakin and what potentially could happen with Luke and then it makes his decision not to go dark and his decision to redeem his father it's fresher in your mind as something that that is so um uh, pivotal for for the franchise you know and then it leaves you on such a high note which you can then go into the into the sequels with the understanding that you know this is the state of the state of what the the universe is so that's that's my preferred watch order um and you know and i think that one of the the things that i have against the prequels i mean i like them they're fine one of the things i have against the prequels though is that it really does rely on like wink wink um you've already you already know who these characters are and what mm. their significance are um and and i'm not sure that it truly works as an entry point into the franchise the way that the first um you know episode 4 is an entry point into the franchise
1: it's true there are some aspects of the prequels where that is the case i I decided to, I was really considering the second time that I rewatched everything to do the machete order because I do think that's a cool idea and I love the kind of dramatic structure that that poses. But by that point, Rogue One had come out and I mm-hmm. really wanted to watch Rogue One and right. uh, A New Hope back to back because like one ends right yeah. when the next one begins and I thought that would be really fun. So in order to do that, I kind of had to do the chronological mm-hmm. order. So
2: yeah. Well, I've tried that though. I've actually tried to kick off um, an order with Rogue One before um, uh, episode four.
1: How does that play? Just
2: as um, the start of
1: it, it's a really bleak way to start out, but an exciting yeah. end, but
2: also really a downer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, Rogue One is still it's, it's not as good as an entry point, not as good of an entry point into the franchise because they really do assume you know everything. Uh, yeah, when you watch Rogue One. Um, in a way that they don't in episode four. But, you know, and also obviously Rogue One was made late enough in time that you can really tell the difference in the special effects. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but from sure. a, you know, but from a pure, I already know this story perspective, it's pretty seamless.
1: But I will, but what I will say is I, my experience of the film the first t- two times that I watched it was very much that it was, it's an enjoyable end it's an interest I always find it interesting how bifurcated the film is because you really spend a lot of time in that opening sequence in the in Jabba's palace and mm-hmm. it's such an effective set piece sure. uh, that goes on for like a solid, you know, 35 40 minutes and then the movie kind of just like grinds to a halt for a ton of exposition for about 20 minutes and then you have a really exciting kind of thrilling finale and I remember, you know, I had heard so much about the Ewoks and how much people who grew up with these movies but, like, who were not kids when they watched it, like, hated the Ewoks and thought it was Lucas selling out and thought it was a sign of things to come with, like, you know, um, Jar Jar Binks and all of that stuff. And so I was curious, but I tried to go into it with an open mind, and I think that people are way too harsh on the Ewoks.
2: Seriously way too harsh on the Ewoks. Like, there is
1: some weird kind of sad, kind of, like, messed up stuff that goes on with the Ewoks where it's like, sure, they're adorable teddy bears, for kids, but, like, also, like, they get killed, and they, like, try, and, like, there's a lot
2: and, of stuff that goes and, in There's And they eat people. like They do you know, eat people, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, yeah. Like, w- one of the things that, are like, are sort of, like, underrated about the Ewoks is that, you know, again, as someone who saw the movie at, like, six years old, you know, they're about the, the size that, like, a person would be at, you know, at that age. Um, and it really kind of, like, fits in the notion of, like, could an army of... Uh, Preschoolers like take out <laughs> like you know, like if well trained enough, like an army of preschoolers take out a military force, sure. <laughs> you know, and yeah, you know, um, no, but seriously, like I like the Ewoks. I'd never understood why people were so down on them. I understood to some somewhat now modern, like problematic elements of them being kind of an indigenous um, you know, group. But I also think that it was handled at the time with With not too much cringeworthy, uh, cringeworthiness, because they were definitely shown to be highly competent. And, you know, like, I I, I sort of made the joke in my head about how, like, I learned about guerrilla warfare, like, (laughs) through the the teddy bear Ewoks. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was,
1: you know, that was the intent, right? I mean, I think that for better or worse, he was like George Lucas was trying to be uh, progressive in having this native force that that took down the empire and that in that that was a good thing it just you know obviously in hindsight there's a lot of optics about that that i think people would you know not appreciate as much with a modern lens but he his heart was at least in the right place
2: and and, and the truth is i've seen worse from lucas Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's not like he's got, it's not like he was better at the execution uh, in, in the subsequent movies.
1: That is, so, yeah, that is definitely true. <laughs> yeah. But, also, um, but my, yeah, I'm, pro,
2: but, I'm pro Ewok here. Pro Ewok. Yeah. Okay. I,
1: I mean, this being your favorite Star Wars movie, I had a feeling you would be pro Ewok. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm with you. I, it... I'm pro Ewok as well, as it turns out. They're but okay. Justin, how about you? Are you are you pro Ewok?
0: I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm anti Ewok, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'd say I'm pro Ewok. I'm I'm, just, <laughs> I'm kind of neutral on Ewoks. It was I was telling Alex kind of off air mm-hmm. that this movie really for me was the Star Wars movie that I watched the most as a kid, mm-hmm. and I think it's only as I've gotten older that I've started to interrogate that a little bit more of like why this movie over like Empire Strikes Back, which since I've watched all of them again, you know not to you know, fall in with the conventional wisdom, but like, that's undoubtedly, you know, my favorite of the original trilogy. I, I think watching it this time made me recognize that like, it makes complete sense that this was the one I wanted to rewatch because it is like, you know, it, it does have this, this finality to it. Like you mentioned, Michael, um, there's a great sense of closure to everything. There's also just, you know, redemption is like a huge mm-hmm. part of this. And I was surprised how much those scenes with Luke and 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 vader really did affect me even on this watch um and i really i really remember responding to that as a kid just the moment of of vader making the choice to betray his master mm-hmm. because his love for, for his son is ultimately greater um just really moved me um yeah. and, it, and it moved me this time as well and and i think that's that really speaks to the the, the power of this um but i also just think this movie's like a lot of it, it has maybe more fun <laughs> than, you know, the, I mean, yeah. I like, I think Empire to me is like a masterclass in tone. Um, It's, you know, I think every, every part of it is well directed, but it's really bleak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this yeah. one is kind of like, all right, we've done the bleakness. Now we're going to do, we're almost doing like a celebration of this right. franchise and um you know i i you mentioned uh, alex the the opening set piece of this i think is really well done it always goes on longer than i think it's going to but i don't mean that as an insult i'm just surprised like how how well they sustain that.
2: it kind of feels like a heist movie like if you if you you could yeah. probably watch that first sequence like sort of as a heist movie as the like because one of the things that we forget in the first two movies i mean you know, as you know Luke had is his larger than life figure now but you know as a first time viewer the leap forward in skills and confidence and gravitas for Luke Skywalker to like be able to engineer that escape was was mind-blowing to the to the viewer um one of the things that I do kind of you know nowadays we have the internet we can figure these things out but at the time I was convinced that, you know, five, six years had gone by based on how much Luke had matured um, between the ending of Empire and the beginning of Return of the Jedi. I mean, I, I know that the, the, in, the, in actuality it's only been like a year or, or something like that, but, it, but it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like, you know, basically this is Luke, the leader, which we had never seen before. You know, he was an ingenue in the first movie. He was part of the team, but he was still kind of the little brother of the team. And now this is like his big mission where he's he's got all these pieces in place and you can start to see like you can start to see everyone kind of moving where they need to go. Even when you think that the plan is going wrong, it's actually right where it needs to be for it all to come together for this big escape. And you know, like I think that it's an underrated sequence—the uh, Jabba's palace, the you know, the Luke doing the backflip, or the or the the uh, the, the, uh, like the the flip, the flip, flip from the yeah, blank. exactly yeah yeah. Now I will say they should have cut that lightsaber scene slightly differently, so it didn't hang in the <laughs> air for like a beat too long. Yeah, but whatever.
1: <laughs> of all the going back and editing this movie that he did, he left that right there.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait for it, wait for it, lightsaber. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it's still funny now, especially you know with everything that's happened with Boba Fett in in the universe to see just how ignominious uh, his his defeat is. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it kind it's pleasing to me because I was never a Boba Fett stan. Uh, so, I'm so happy to hear this, Michael. <laughs> you know, so like I had the toy, but I never thought like, oh, Boba Fett's the best character ever. I was no, I was just look, I mean. Mm-hmm. But again, I saw the movie. I was I thought he looked cool. But at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, Han took him down or or as or as uh, (laughs) throughout the movie, I thought it was like I felt redeemed, honestly, because I remember throughout my childhood calling him Han Solo. And I didn't know why until I realized that throughout the movie, um, Lando calls him Han Solo. And I was like, oh, I'm black. He's black. That's why I call him (laughs) Han Solo. It's a black thing. All right.
1: (laughs) In in my head canon, I think that Lando purposely mispronounces his name just to mess with him because that's the kind of dynamic that they have.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And they've been, you know, and now they've been friends for so long that it's actually become affectionate. Like it's almost like transcended the original joke.
2: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I could buy that. I could definitely buy that. That like in the beginning... He was correcting him, but then they became friends, and he was like, "All right, that's just how you're gonna call. That's just how you're gonna friend me, and only you can call me Han Solo." Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think I can speak for myself and Justin when I say that neither of us are particularly big fans of the Boba Fett character and don't really understand why he has grown into the status that he has. Mm -hmm. And I can also say that I particularly did not enjoy his television show that aired a a few months ago. So uh, I'm very happy to hear that as an original viewer, one of the first in the world to see this movie, Mm -hmm. that you agree that there's no cause for him to have the cult of uh, celebrity that he does.
2: (laughs) Yeah, as I often say, Uh, The Mandalorian, the character, you know, so Din uh, Din Djarin, is everything that people think Boba Fett is. Yes. Um, Mm. And but because there's (laughs) been decades of people thinking that Boba Fett is that guy, um, in their minds, they were disappointed by Boba Fett never being that guy um, and just having a fancy costume.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And like I get that he was really cool in a bunch of books that I never read that are not actually that are not actually canon. Anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Allegiance. that doesn't doesn't yeah. save it.
2: Speaking of things that are not actually canon, this is where I go off on my little bit of a rant about um about the Timothy Zahn books and about the fact that like for people in my generation, probably slightly older, um you know while we were trying to figure out where Star Wars was going next after it made all the money we desperately wanted the story to continue like we desperately wanted to see what happened next with the new republic with luke starting uh, jedi with um you know with leia and han kind of getting you know just, just like and 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 You know, I would recommend any person that's listening to this, uh, check out the the, the Timothy Zahn books. I mean, I know they're not technically canon, but they are still drawing from them in terms of the the kinds of stories that they want to tell and may tell in the Mandalorian universe. Um, Because that was a young fan who had seen Return of the Jedi and only had their toys and their imagination, um, you know, really... It was was validated by those by those stories that followed.
1: Interesting. Justin, have you
2: ever read any of that stuff?
0: I haven't read any Timothy Zahn. I definitely remember reading um, Kevin J. Anderson stuff. Um, That was actually Tales of the Bounty Hunters was one of the big ones that he did, though. Mm -hmm. That was that was multiple authors, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely read um, Drew Carpershin, but that was more he wrote more like Old Republic
2: stuff yeah one of the cool things that zahn introduced that was really sort of recontextualized everything was the idea that one of the reasons that the empire was so successful was that they had the emperor the emperor himself as their main strategist as and we saw that we actually saw that play out in the movie you know that like his ability to sense what the rebels were doing gave them a leg up in terms of battlement and um and and he, and he talks about that in the book that when the emperor dies they're not as effective as a fighting force because they don't have someone who's one step ahead of one step ahead of everyone so they they quickly get defeated after the battle of endor you know that whatever rebel whatever uh imperial remnant is left they're they're so used to having the command and control of the emperor and his and his dark side of the force and his ability to sort of reach into people's minds and make them more efficient um through through his power and and then you know when i read that i was like wow that's that's super interesting that you have this evil man that was able to kind of coordinate more efficient evil um Hmm. you know through through his power but again that's not something that was fully developed in the in the story of the movies but it was something that was was fleshed out in the books yeah
1: well while we're talking about like Hmm. extended universe uh context i will say that Recently I've rewatched all of The Clone Wars or I've actually mm-hmm. watched for the first time all of The Clone Wars a TV show that I had not mm-hmm. seen previously and so many people told me you have to watch you have to watch yeah. it.
2: I just and, yeah in fact I recently watched I recently finished it about a month ago.
1: Okay cool and that was the first time that you watched it as well? Yes. Okay, so I was really, you know, the first season is pretty bumpy, I will Mm -hmm. say, uh, both story-wise and animation-wise, but the animation slowly gets better over time, and ultimately, I think the storytelling that they do becomes extremely sophisticated and nuanced, and they really build great characters, and the reason why I bring it up here is because I found myself so much more emotionally invested in the sequence towards the end with Luke and, and Vader, because I felt like I really got to know Anakin because Mm -hmm. of that animated show in a way that I'd never really felt having watched the prequels, right? The prequels was my first introduction to Star Wars completely. So Mm -hmm. I should feel like I know Anakin even better than Luke and I never really did watching it previously. But watching that animated series, I really felt so much more invested in Anakin as a character and watching him, like you could see from behind the mask, like you can imagine Mm -hmm. with your mind's eye behind the mask, him really tormented over that conflict as luke says like i see conflict in you uh it really landed in a way that it really never has before because previously it's kind of it's like a fait accompli right like you know Mm -hmm. well obviously he's not going to kill luke so he's luke is going to convince him and I think that it's somewhat emotionally involving, especially if you have daddy issues. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think that it's but there is a certain level of like, well, this is the kind of movie where the good guys win. So, you know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here I felt so much more emotionally invested in Anakin as a character because we didn't really know Anakin as a character. When, like, for instance, you watch this the first time around and we didn't get a great. Version of Anakin when we watched the prequel film So having that having that in a, in canon Star Wars stories really really helps me appreciate uh, that that crisis of conscience mm. towards and Yoda that himself. and that kind
2: of ties into the sort of like overarching point that I have about one of the things that underrates Return of the Jedi, which is that. You know, we like the people who are a little younger than me, that probably you're closer to your age and even younger, uh, Alex, are people who kind of grew up on the prequels, understood its limitations, but then had the Clone Wars series to um, improve upon those limitations and to fill in that, that space with Anakin um, that was lacking in those films like if you've never watched the clone wars you think much differently about Anakin as a character than someone who has um yeah. you know you see these you see the depth especially in the relationship between him and and Padme um mm-hmm. you know but even was, with
1: him and and Obi-Wan like i mean
2: that too, when yeah, sure.
1: when old Ben Kenobi himself comes with in his ghost form in this movie and he just says like you know luke you have to defeat him there's no him left he's more machine than man like that was a line that didn't really hit me emotionally at all the Mm -hmm. first two times that i watched this but actually seeing their relationship on screen for so many hours it really was it really hurt i like it I could see what that meant to that character now in a way that I didn't previously, where it's, he's talking about his own defeat, his own failing of this person who he truly loved and cared about in that moment. Mm. And the only way that he's been able to cope with it is by kind of rationalizing that Mm. that person he knew was gone and that that's why he lied to Luke. And all of a sudden a thing that feels like a kind of plot error, continuity error kind of thing actually feels tremendously moving and made me kind Mm. of, Tear up in a way that I was like, wow! I didn't, I didn't realize how emotionally invested in this I was, but but the cartoon did it for me, man. It did. Yeah, and
2: <laughs> and, and, and you know, and it's one of the things that sort of gives me hope for the Obi Wan series. That you know, by the time you've he- heard this, we'll have seen a couple episodes of, but will not have finished. um The idea that that the the hangover the 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 Uh, lingering feelings of loss of of a friend and as a brother between them will kind of put i mean ultimately obi-wan was wrong right ultimately obi-wan wanted luke to kill vader you know because he thought he was irredeemable um and and the the prequels kind of explain why he got there and especially the clone wars um further contextualize why he got there but when you you know when you see this movie as a as a child or you see this movie out of that context you're like oh man obi-wan was was way out of pocket you know like he didn't know what he was thinking like good thing luke you know saw the good in him you know but but i do understand you know like you said before the idea of like as a son Daddy issues, wanting to believe that your that your father is a good man from the perspective of someone who never you know didn't have a father, versus someone who he that's his that's someone he did he uh, watched the arc of his character, and he had the tragedy of Obi Wan across those those that era the, the the prequels era Clone Wars is that he couldn't save him. Uh, from the dark side that he was seduced by the dark side um and by the by palpatine and he feels like the only thing all of this carnage all of this death all of this terror across the the galaxy is on him you know yeah. and he's now a ghost and the only thing that he can do is tell luke you know to do what he couldn't do you know he cut him up but he left him he left him to become darth vader um but like You know, in Luke, he can actually tell him to kill him.
1: Justin, as someone who is not too emotionally invested in a children's cartoon, uh, (laughs) what did you think about this kind of like climax watching it again? You mentioned it earlier as a highlight, so I'm assuming it's oh much for you.
0: Um, Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I mostly honestly, it's mostly the Vader um, Luke stuff. Although, I mean, one of the things I do appreciate about that whole thing is just the emperor's um
2: cockiness mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout it mm-hmm. i mean uh, i mean to be fair if you're the emperor like if you go across like everything star wars like he's racked up a ton of wins in a row uh so i can understand why he's pretty cocky yeah
0: yeah and to be fair like you know i was watching it th- every time i watch this i'm always like oh right how are the rebels gonna do this <laughs> like he's like got everything stacked against them and um, yeah. yeah,
1: and not to interrupt, but the something that I noticed this time around even more so was just how the film really walks you to that line of hopelessness that they want Luke to feel in that moment. They really convince you mm-hmm. that the, that the all of the plans that they came up with to like put the empire down are just completely for naught and all of his friends are on the ropes and everything is is hopeless and and all of these things that they had like they had all these ambitions and all these plans and and the emperor had anticipated all of it and had kind of swamped them and and everybody was about to die and luke is there and it's like you feel that it really i was surprised by how much they were willing to kind of make that feel bleak before they turned like you would you would expect it to be a moment and instead it it kind of lingers for a solid like five minutes and then and then the tide starts Mm. to turn and it's i was impressed that they really hung you in that Mm. moment for long enough for it to impact you the way it's supposed to be impacting luke they cut back to that lightsaber where it's resting and you're Mm
0: -hmm. just waiting for luke to you know force it into his own hand like i'm surprised how many times they cut to that
2: (laughs) and plus there's that element which we don't really understand but the movie you know really hammers home that the emperor doesn't even care if he dies because if you strike him down in anger then he wins you know and it's kind of like well what are we doing here like if you can't kill the emperor you know even while he's mocking you and like you know telling you how hopeless things are and how the whole galaxy is going to fall and the rebel alliance is at its end you know like it's such a it's such an inversion of what we normally see in in movies where oh no, of course you just take out the villain you know and then it's done like no in fact if you take him out then then he wins you yeah. know it's it was it was obviously we we know how 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 we got around that particular checkmate but at the time you're thinking wow he's figured it all out there's there's no beating this guy Yeah.
1: Well, and it's truly a battle of your soul at that point. It's not a battle of of people because Mm -hmm. it's if he turns on him that he still wins. Like you said, the way that I always take that, though, is more so that he is okay with Luke trying to kill him because he knows that luke can't kill him but if luke surrenders to his emotions to the dark side then he will have the emperor will have even more influence over him and he will be able to just have him kill his father and then take his place that's how i always took it because it kind of and that kind of parallels to what happens with anakin in uh revenge of the sith where Mm -hmm. when he finally gives into his emotions and and defends the emperor over um mace windu like Mm -hmm. like Everything after that, he is under his control at that point.
2: Yeah, the yeah I sort control. of, I sort of saw it as more of like a parallel to what happened in in the in um the original Star Wars in A New Hope, where you know where Obi Wan becomes the Force Ghost, and mm-hmm. through the Force Ghost, he's able to kind of live forever and be the voice in Luke's head. You know that the the conscience or whatever that like the emperor was like the dark inversion of that. So like if he strikes down the emperor, then the emperor will forever be in him and the emperor's Mm -hmm. spirit will will always be able to like have that same claim to him that Obi-Wan had over him, you know, so that Luke will go dark and the emperor will be dead. But the emperor's spirit will be there to to move him and to and to push him into darker places. That's how that that was always how I sort of saw it that like the emperor's ghost would be, you know, would would be pulling the strings of uh of dark luke.
1: Well, and I think yeah. that it's nice that there is a little bit of ambiguity there mm-hmm. that like you can really read into it in a number of different ways and it certainly kind of sparks people's imaginations and mm. And in a way that I think is nice, especially for a closing of a big kind of trilogy, right? You expect that to be where all the questions get answered, and certainly many questions get answered. Um, and I kind of I want to move on to that a little oh, bit. For sure. How did how do you feel, Michael, about the ways in which some of these mysteries get resolved around kind of you know the Luke being related to Vader and the Leia, uh, the Leia of it all, and all of that stuff?
2: Well i think i think i think it was really um magnanimous of of han to be like oh he's your brother so that time you kissed him like we're just not going to talk about okay (laughs) 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 like um i i i you know it's one of those things that i sort of keep coming back with come back to because at the time there was a definite love triangle in I mean again I was only a kid but we talked about this as a kid like we we definitely wondered whether Luke was going to end up sorry whether Leia was going to end up with Luke or Han and we had our particular you know allegiances um so then to find out that Luke and Leia were, were brother and sister like we accepted it but <laughs> it was it was still something that we felt kind of came out of left field
1: yeah I could, ima- I could only imagine <laughs> honestly <laughs> because and the thing that surprises me all the time when I watch this is like it's fine that you maybe didn't have things planned out in ahead of time and like you came to this idea late like I know Luke like I know that Luke I know that George Lucas likes to say that like he had this all planned out from the beginning but like there's it just doesn't make sense <laughs> that he didn't come to this late and that's fine but the thing that always surprises me is that even in this movie, they still they play still up the have love chemi- triangle.
2: And they have chemistry.
1: They like, do have. Yeah, they definitely like, have chemistry together. Like
2: that scene <laughs> where he, like grabs like in the beginning where he grabs yeah. up slave leia and puts her on like that is such a like classic action movie i'm gonna yeah. rescue yeah. you like, like a swash, you know,
1: swashbuckling Arl pirate. Yeah. exactly yeah
2: like and i mean you know she didn't kiss him which is good you know because she already kissed han earlier she already <laughs> loves han that's cool but like yeah. the, the chemistry is every, every scene that they share is crackling you know. Yeah, and
1: when and like when they're in the ro- when they're in that like planning room together, and he walks in and and she's like, "Do you have something to tell me?" And he's like, "Ask me about it again sometime," which is like a very flirty way to be like, "You're my sister." <laughs> like is, I don't know why you handled it it's that way.
2: So weird. <laughs> it's such a weird move. And then like even definitely- after
1: they. Like, even after they reveal to, to each other that they are brother and sister and then they always knew, which is like, OK, <laughs> that I have so many more questions, if that's really true. Then then Han comes in and he's jealous of them. So they're still
2: playing those beats. And it's like, yeah.
1: this yeah. is very this is but, an interesting but choice.
2: <laughs> but again, at the time, they had to do that because we as the audience, they, they didn't really even in you know, an empire. They mentioned that there might be like another But we Uh didn't really know it was going to be Leia. Like, you know, it was just kind of a throwaway line. We didn't have everything that we have now, the whole, like, think piece industrial complex to, like, really flesh out what that could be and who the candidates might be. So There's a
1: better, more innocent time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when when it gets introduced that he has a twin sister, that's like a, a moment of shock for the audience. So we're still processing that when it happens. We were we again, we went into the movie still thinking, Yeah, yeah, I know that they kissed, you know, uh Han and Leia and they'll probably end up together. But Luke's still Luke, you know, he's still got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean
1: Luke and Luke and Leia do also kiss in Empire. Mm-hmm. She kisses him to make Han jealous, but they exactly. still do kiss. <laughs> yeah, so it was done. on the table.
0: Yeah.
2: You, you know, so to- so I think that they needed I, – I think that that's an element that they couldn't just kind of take away. But I do like how they played it because, like, at first Han gets angry, you know, yes. because he thinks, oh, you're jealous. Like, yo, you you shared the secret with Luke that you won't share with me. But then, like, when he sees that she's hurting, like, I didn't realize – I mean, again, I'm an adult now. I didn't realize it at a young – even probably 10 years ago, like, how, like, much vulnerability – Um, han showed at that moment where he put aside his ego and just was like there for leia you know as a as a someone who loved her and someone who cared about like what she was dealing with now i would have probably preferred like something in the dialogue to explain more that her feeling was um was worry um because it did seem like heartache (laughs) in (laughs) in the moment you know it's like oh yeah you know, I'm I'm struggling with with these feelings. And he's thinking like, uh, do you love two men? Is that what's happening?
1: But what I do, I do agree with you, though, that there is an interesting level of vulnerability to Harrison Ford's performance in that scene. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that more than any other moment in this film particular, it feels like a commitment that he's making to her in a way Mm -hmm. that is actually really moving because they don't, put dialogue to it they really just let them exist in the space together and just interact and that it, that tells you everything you need to know about how previously this guy has been shown as someone who is his first instinct is always to leave to run right mm-hmm. he eventually like, at really the end point. of yeah like at the end of a new hope he eventually comes back right but he's established yeah. as like a person even in the beginning, him, of, empire. In yeah, the
2: beginning of empire even yeah absolutely Empire. And he's also like the guy, he's he's like that classic, you know, like, I'm going to insult you, um, you know, I'm going to, like, kind of needle you. Obviously, I care about you, but I'm going to show it through uh, through not being vulnerable, through um, my wisecracks. And yeah. that was a moment where he, you know, b- beneath all of that, he pushed it all aside and he was just a, a man, you know, who loves someone.
1: And he thinks about storming off, right? And then he stops yeah. himself. And that moment where he stops himself is him admitting to himself and to the audience that he really does love her. Right. right. And that's and he's committed to this and he's ready to stand by her, even if she has weird, complicated feelings about his friends. Right. <laughs> like he's, yeah. She's he still trusts her and wants and is invested in this and isn't just going to run away when it gets hard.
2: Right. And that's a moment that's earned across three movies. Again, it goes back to the, what I was saying before about the underrated nature of, of, of Return of the Jedi is that, you know, as the third movie in the series, you've seen how these characters have evolved and you've seen what their patterns are, you know, and now you see the, how poignant it is when they break their patterns. You know, you see how 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 much it means that subtle thing that the way that Han normally behaves in the situation is not how he behaves. And now you're like, wow, like this is real. This is how he you know, this is this is this is the one this is the person that he that he wants to be with, the person that he loves. And we don't have we don't just say it really out, even though he does say it later. But, like, (laughs) you know, Um, because because he's shown it with his with his behavior
0: yeah Yeah, and i think that's a running theme throughout this whole movie is the sense of like who are you when the chips are down Mm -hmm. like you know at the end of the day like what really matters to you and i think you get the fulfillment of that throughout this movie with multiple characters including vader and luke and leia um in addition to han um, you know this movie is basically Lando's redemption too from the mm-hmm. last movie like yeah. he's really working overtime <laughs> and almost uh you know pays
2: for it with his life in the Sarlacc pit Oh yeah um, <laughs> which I not, to, wait, not just the Sarlacc pit but in that in that final offensive against a Death Star he yeah. really you know he really sells I didn't realize how much um you know it's, he had faith he has yeah. in Han Right uh, which which, uh, which is a nice everyone else
0: Yeah and that's a nice rebuttal to what Uh, The Emperor says to Luke, like, you know, your faith in your friends will be your undoing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like you're seeing the you're seeing like a rebuttal to that through all these other characters.
1: Yeah, it's great. And also, you know, now that we've all watched Solo, a Star Wars story, we know that it was also a moment where he got to reunite with his the love of his life, uh, who whose brain was downloaded into Mm -hmm. the Millennium Falcon. So a very a touching moment when Han gives gives him over the ship.
2: So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that after the mission, Lando has some quiet time with the Millennial fa- Falcon. I think that's what. Oh, for what you're, sure. What you're saying. I mean, listen,
1: <laughs> we all have. They all deserved a celebration after that, and
2: yeah. I think. And we Phoebe Wallow Bridge he- is, you know, she's 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 a cutie. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Even as a robot, <laughs> yep. I mean, you know.
2: Right. Exactly. <laughs> the Lando redemption story. Like, I wish there was a little more to it. Like, I get it. Um, mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, he was. I don't know what the plans were at the time. I haven't gone into like the oral histories or whatever. Like, obviously, um, Billy Dee Williams was a big star in the day. And, you know, there wasn't a lot, weren't a lot of black characters in Star Wars. And I'm happy, you know, that we had Lando. And I'm definitely happy that Lando became heroic. Um, But it's now that I can sort of better appreciate the, 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 the subtle things that he did to really solidify that he had tried to redeem himself from you know being an absolute snake in you know in the last movie
1: (laughs) yeah well and that was controversial right because they made a big they kind of made a big deal about like okay like we have we like we have this major new character who's african-american and that's like and that was missing in the first film and we have this great star attached to be to play him and it's like then he'd like double crosses our heroes and screws everyone over like that Sucks in terms of like representation perspective. So it's really nice that he gets to have this really nice arc where he really de- like he becomes like a member of the of the army forces. Like he like he's a I think they call him a general, right? So yeah, it's like he, he's he all in. Like he's committed to to righting that wrong. And you also I think in retrospect then feel differently about what happened in empire where it feels like maybe he really when he's saying like look my hands were tied this is all you know of him so you don't know how slimy he really is right but then Mm -hmm. it's like no maybe he really is a good person whose hands were tied in a way that i mean if darth vader came to your house and was like i need you to kidnap your friends for me it's going to be hard to say no so now you suddenly have empathy for him in a moment where maybe previously when you're watching it for the first time you you don't so i think it's a really good redemption of him even if and, and, you he know, he and could look, have used – like, the one thing is, is that he still feels like a secondary character compared to the main trio. Oh, yeah, plus, for sure. You know, and, and I yeah. think that they could have elevated him to that level if they had spent a little bit more time. But that would be my yeah. only complaint.
2: Yeah, and and, and, and listen, like, you know, again, as, a, as someone who loves this movie, they definitely yada yada the fact that he was heavily, heavily trying to mack on Han's girl. <laughs> you know like, like there's like in in the second movie he's all about like oh, why are you with this zero you need to be with this hero you know like he's he's doing it you know and, yeah. that, and that adds an additional layer to the double cross um so the fact that he's willing to take a take part in the heist right him being part of the heist is key to the redemption you know, him yeah. also putting his life in Han's hands in his blinded, uh, you know, you think he could die and he has to trust Han to shoot him free of the Sarlacc. It, it, in a lot of ways, him being this close to being, you know, eaten by uh, Audrey Two of the Stars, the Sarlacc, um, <laughs> you know, is is us getting a little bit of a comeuppance. For Han for what he did in the last movie, and then all can be forgiven. Yeah, you know, that's true. um, Also,
1: he's retroactively revealed to be the galaxy's strongest man. I saw this meme (laughs) going around recently where it was like it compared. H- lando getting pulled into the sarlacc pit and like managing to like fight it off with one leg to uh <laughs> boba fett's ship being completely taken <laughs> by the sarlacc pit in uh the boba fett tv show It's like so his one leg is stronger than uh boba fett's entire spaceships like so in retrospect wow. it's a really big compliment this for, is just more
2: big bigger one more addition to the yeah. boba fett slander um you know i'm here <laughs> for it I Um, I guess Lando didn't skip leg day. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, he may live in Cloud City, but he's he's making sure that his legs are. Got a great gym there. Exactly. (laughs) Um, No, but I mean, that's a character that, like, especially you know, we like as in we've seen Rogue One. um, We not Rogue One, sorry, in Solo. um, You know, played by Donald Glover. I do hope that we get a little bit more with Lando, um, fleshing him out because you know, again, as a as a black Star Wars fan he's gonna always have a special place in my heart um and any lando content that they want to bring out um i'm here for We, like you said he's a secondary character but he's not played um as as like a sidekick you know he's not played as yeah. comic relief he's still given like a certain amount of dignity and again he gets the ship he gets the iconic millennium falcon he's part of the final mission he's he's the guy that's you know like he's not doing the the shot in the little womp rat uh region or whatever like in the first one but he's he's still part of the group that takes down the second death star which i will say this i didn't realize until today we're meant to believe that the second death star is more devastating than the first death star but they don't really show it They just kind of
1: tell you. In fact, what they do show makes it seem like it's less powerful. Because they're like because you know the off- offensive starts and they think that it is not weapons ready right and then one of the, mm-hmm. the early reveals is the emperor saying it is weapons ready right and they're like yeah. oh no and then you mm-hmm. see and it's like they're blo- it's blowing up individual ships but like we saw the first one blow up an entire planet, planet. so like right. i don't what so this does mm-hmm. not feel like it's operating mm-hmm. on full strength at all but
2: like, yeah to be fair it did kind of like have to charge up
1: i suppose you're right about that planet. <laughs> but like, st- but but still, like just one guy be- running on a bicycle wheel in the
2: basement, just like. <laughs> like like I still would have, ne- I I needed some, and and also like I didn't, again I didn't remember this, but like in the first movie, they're like there's this is whole thing about it's it's a small moon, you know, and then it's like that's no moon, that's no moon, that's yeah. the Death Star,
0: yeah, and yeah. then you
2: see the Death Star in comparison to Endor's moon, and you're kind of like, uh, oh, it's a, it's it's a little small yeah small side
0: i had a similar reaction michael where i was like that seems way too like i just always think of like endor being so small and to see it dwarfing the death the new death yeah. star was like kind of a disappointment
2: it, it kind of yeah it kind of undercut Well, especially because i still imagine the first death star to be like moon-sized this right. is the first time i had thought of the small the the the, the new death star as less impressive than the first even though again still under construction fine it is
1: it's still i mean and they're really a fast turnaround they're trying to do you know
2: (laughs) as someone who's like worked on a project and has like (laughs) had to deal with like deadlines i really feel for all the imperial people who are like wait wait (laughs) the emperor's showing up he he wants to know what the status of our (laughs) of our work (laughs) work we're doing the best we can god
1: (laughs) (laughs) you gave us two months it took 10 years to build the last one jesus
2: exactly (laughs) But yeah. So yeah. weren't the wait actually wasn't the, the the Death Star plans weren't they introduced at the end of the prequels? So they like were, they, yeah. they've had 30, like 30 they had years. 30 years to build the Death Star, <laughs> but then they build like the second Death Star in like 2 years.
1: Yeah. It's it's not fair. I mean, you know, there's there is definitely like some not fair labor uh regulations going on in the yeah. Empire.
0: Amazon mean, was clearly yeah.
1: involved. There were no bad Yeah i got a feeling there are no unions involved <laughs> with no you don't think that they observe uh collective bargaining in uh that empire <laughs> there's another thing about this that i thought well so another cl- connection that i just have to bring up now that i am a devoted clone wars uh viewer mm-hmm. is watching you know admiral Akbar up there leading oh, yeah. the charge after I saw the pivotal role he played in the four-part uh, Mon kalamari Civil War uh, uh, episodes, I'm significantly more invested in him, and I'm, like, very excited to see him. And yeah, I, I, didn't I really feel mention. like Lando should have listened to him. I mean, like, he has prudent, like, battle-tested wisdom that, that you need to respect.
2: Right, and we didn't even mention that the iconic meme... Of it's a trap, like yeah. which would not exist but for this movie. Comes yet here, another, yeah. yet another checkpoint, you know, it's for true. Return of the Jedi, uh, you know, above the other Star Wars movies.
1: Yeah, I'm um, gonna tell you, Michael, you're yeah. talking me into it. I like when <laughs> I watched this, I gave it a three and a half stars on Letterboxd, but you're you're talking me into a four star. You're, I'm gonna bump it up <laughs> half a star after this conversation. Uh,
2: think- my uh, my work is my work is being well accomplished. I think then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will say the thing
0: I forgot, uh, you know, it's funny, Mike, even talking about certain things, you're mm-hmm. like, until you saw it again, you know, mm-hmm. you'd you'd forgotten about. I've had like that experience so many times with this movie. Um, but the whole, it's a trap thing is preceded by the fact that we learn about the emperor's ruse in that, mm-hmm. you know, in that part of his plan. So it makes it that much more dire because it's like, you know, there's something now that now only now are the characters
1: recognizing it.
0: So it doesn't, it doesn't come out of the blue for us, But it does for them, which is like this this layer of dramatic irony to that scene.
1: It's that old kind of Hitchcock quote about how, you know, if you put if you are going to have two characters sit at a table and have a bomb underneath it and the bomb blows up for the audience, that's surprise. But if you show the audience the bomb first and then have them. sit at the table. Now you have suspense, right? Right. And I think, Mm -hmm. and suspense always has a better payoff than surprise. Surprise is like a really like a quick hit. Oh my God, I had no idea. Like who, who could have seen it coming? But suspense is where you get emotionally invested in that outcome and it just kills you by the end of it and that's that's yeah. a great example of, of of creating suspense where they could have had a cheap surprise right of like oh no, it's a twist, but they they let him walk you through it first so that way you have that suspense that really makes it feel like you said so much more dire
2: mm-hmm. And then yeah, it continues to build stakes. Right. Because, you know, we're meant to th- again, I, I got to stress, this is the first time we're being introduced to Emperor Palpatine in Ernest. Right. Like we don't yeah. have the benefit of the Clone Wars. We don't have the benefit of the novels that follow. I mean, we, we saw him on like a hologram in Empire Strikes Back. But this is like this is him making his presence felt and and and. Establishing why, like you said, he's a cocky son of a bitch, right? Like, yeah. and why he he gets to be the emperor. Um, That he's he's been pulling these strings, he's been pushing these things together, and and you buy him as an antagonist because of how he can put things into motion and and put the um, oh, sorry put the rebels at the brink of annihilation.
1: That stuff lands, and you know as much as it's the biggest negative to the film is really just that middle kind of 20 minutes for me because all of the like all of the stuff at Jabba's temple is really exciting it's very well paced all of the stuff at the end I think works really well too and it's like you have these kind of sequences I was you know I have Clone Wars on my brain so much and I was just thinking about how this whole movie feels like it could just be a season of the Clone Wars where you just have Mm -hmm. like of like a three episode arc in Jabba's palace and then you have a one-off episode where Luke says goodbye to yoda and then you yeah have cause, yeah because another... what i'm hearing
2: what i'm hearing from you is like yoda is what is what really uh, drags the movie down like it well, feels <laughs> it feels like look we can we can be we can understand listen i don't understand how yoda who is 900 years old went from you know a an 899 or whatever year old guy <laughs> who felt like he was pretty spry to like I'm dying. It's Leave a big alone. it's a
1: big change like, pretty fast. I what I will say, like to give them a little bit of credit, if you've been around people who are like over the age of 85. Sometimes that really does happen where like they seem so great and you're like, wow, this is the most youthful 86 year old I've ever met. And then you check in with them nine months later and it's like that's, you know, it's get ready to say, you know, so long um, to grandma, unfortunately. And that's kind of so I feel like, you know, that was a complaint that I had too when I was younger. But actually having uh, known a lot of elderly people at this point, it's a little bit more believable now.
2: (laughs) I mean, fair, but it still feels ultra abrupt.
1: It because, is very abrupt.
2: Like if you're, uh, it makes sense if it was like ten years had passed, right? Yes. And Luke had just been out there having adventures, and he's like, "Oh shit, I was supposed to like check in on Yoda, you well, know, hope I he's all right." The, you know. The
1: film <laughs> is vague about how much time has passed, but then the canon has forced the yeah. like in retrospect to say, "No, mm-hmm. it's this discreet amount of time." Like you could watch this film and think like Han was in. The, like carbonite for years right yeah and
2: luke and like i said i mean in my head it feels better if it had been like five to ten years
1: yeah um, but then it's like but everybody's just you know the, the official canon is like no it's only been a like luke never went back to yoda when he's and they make a reference to like i promised that i would come back for my the rest of my training but he could have like gone and come back four times and you know but that that's clearly not what they decided to do yeah but, uh, but no, i will but, say it's not but, but,
2: but, it, no but actually just just to just clarify a thing like i'm i'm perfectly fine if he had never gone back for the training i just think it would work better if he was just had never gone back for like a few years and yeah. then realized i should probably go back and then when yeah. he gets there he realizes that yoda's dying because it's just a really it ambitious
1: plan and everybody yeah. had to be like in place and so like you could believe that that took a long time yeah, to come together yeah,
2: exactly you know and, and and it's that important to luke and important to leia right that they that they save his friend like so i could buy that it took a few years to put together not to mention the fact that they're still doing the Star Wars, right? Like that's that's yeah. that's the thing, right? <laughs> um, they they
1: are but, doing the Star Wars.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um but like I mean Yoda, the difference between Empire Yoda and and Return of the Jedi Yoda is so stark. Even 6-year-old me was like, what the hell happened to Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, yeah. did, the, did the guy playing Yoda, like, get sick or whatever? Like, what, what, <laughs> like, like why was he, like – And but you, like you said, it grinds the movie to a halt a little bit because yeah. he's not even the guy who's giving the speech, right? You get it through Obi-Wan.
1: Well, it's like, – yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like, if it was just the Yoda scenes, I think there's enough emotion there that you could kind of deal with the – the heavy exposition component of it but it's you have the scene with Yoda which goes on for a bit and then you have immediately after the scene with Obi-Wan which goes on for a bit and then you go immediately into a scene where Admiral Akbar is like so this is the map and these are the <laughs> ships and this so it's like it does it's just like on and like every scene for j- literally 20 minutes is just exposition 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 to set everything up so that way you can have the end and it's like there's yeah. definitely a more artful way to instructor screenplay than that Mm. like you could just literally mm. like you could just get up like take an intermission come back and be like okay i'm ready for the for the movie to get good again
2: (laughs) but one thing that i i I would be remiss if i didn't sing the praises up because i remember as a child and i still remember watching it again the idea of 3po telling the story of the first two star wars movies to the ewoks is epic shit guys like <laughs> as someone who saw those first two movies to see like he's like doing the thing that we do that we did as kids like telling the movies to someone who hadn't seen the movies that how awesome they are like that was like he did the sound effects He was like oh, oh, like, like like that movie needed that because it yeah. really brought in home like both in universe and to us like how that was kind of like a modern legend and a modern um you know story that was going to have uh have that resonance for an entire generation and and it and it happens in the oral tradition it happens in the in the retellings
1: yeah, I think that that's a great sequence. I would never... And honestly, I'm going to say this. I This is 3PO's best movie. 3PO in Empire is really <laughs> annoying. He sucks in Empire. <laughs> he is constantly saying something that's obnoxious or getting in the way and causing problems. He sucks in Empire. And here, total redemption. He's great at everything. He's funny. He has great banter with uh, R2-D2. They really feel like these like adorable uh, mm-hmm. old gay couple in this movie <laughs> to me that I just really liked. One is just like a little bit too... <laughs> kinda of nervous and everyone is like, we're just gonna do it because who cares? You know, that's that's the voice that I imagine R2 has. Um I really I felt that's like great queer representation in my opinion. Um but yeah it's I really I liked him a lot. He was really good. He was funny and he picked his moments well. So I'm on board with 3 PO in this movie.
2: Yeah. Uh okay. Justin your thoughts about the the, the uh the C three PO um uh, recaps?
0: Oh gosh I mean well so
2: I also forgot
0: in this movie for some reason I was like, wait, does he speak Ewok? I can't remember. (laughs) Like but then I forgot that he also became like their Their God. Yeah, like I remembered (laughs) I remembered some of that sequence, but I couldn't remember like how much of it he was actually able to communicate to them. Um but I think the other thing um about that scene the the thing I do like about that scene though also is there's still like they still leave a lot to the imagination. And you also get to see the reactions of the Ewoks to yes. the story. Like there's a lot of cutting to them mm-hmm. and like different, like, you know, there's and, like, like baby Ewoks ages. being like, yeah, oh! right. like, you get to see like uh, the, the, for, for what a uh, swath there is of uh, diversity amongst the Ewoks, you get to see it. Um, <laughs> yes. And I, and I really appreciate that. So I think, you know, kind of like you were saying, Michael, with the, with Uh, Sharing it with like with other fans and maybe like younger fans like I think that's kind of reflected
1: in that scene. Um, yeah. And what also, the other thing that it does, which is nice, is that it kind of, it helps build agency for the Ewoks, too. Which feels a little silly to say, but it's true. Like, it would be very easy for them to just be like, oh, like, we like Princess Leia because she's Princess Leia, you know, and so now we're gonna fight for them. Mm -hmm. But, like, no, No, they give them an opportunity to, like, actually, like, learn these people's stories and decide that they care about them them and they're rooting for them. And decide that they want
2: to be a part of the story. And, like, you know, again, uh, you know, not to Keep keep harping on the fact that, as a child that played with Star Wars Star Wars toys, what we wanted more than anything else was to be part of the story to have someone tell you the Star Wars story up to that point and then give you the opportunity to be part of the star wars story you know i think it i think it worked for the Ewoks. like you said it, it set the foundation for oh this is what we're doing this is what we're up against this is, this is the story so far and now we get to be in the third act and help you guys win like sign me up yeah
1: and it's a great moment just from a serialized story perspective because Sometimes, you know, I feel like less and less as kind of like the MCU has sort of, you know, inf- influenced all franchise storytelling you don't see this as much but there used to be this kind of idea of the movie has to stand on its own even if Mm -hmm. it's part of a franchise so if there's plot details that you need you can't just assume that the person watching this movie saw the last one so we need to find ways to kind of catch people up without it dragging the story down and i think this is a really artful way unlike a lot of the other exposition scenes in this movie a really artful way of doing that for people
2: so again Another score, another check mark for the Ewoks. <laughs> yes. Like, exactly. Team Ewok continues.
1: You've drafted us. <laughs> <laughs> well, me. I don't want to speak for Justin. <laughs> I will say there's one scene
0: with and I think you were kind of alluding to it before, Alex, but there's one scene where there's like I can't remember exactly what happens to them, but basically they're these two Ewoks who are yes. injured by mm-hmm. I believe by uh um, by the
2: stormtroopers.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. The, um, and um and it's like really heartbreaking because you have like both of them, they're both laying there. One of them gets up and it's like without, again, this is all without dialogue, but there's Mm -hmm. basically a whole scene that just happens of him being like, all right, I'm okay. Like, you know, we'll mm-hmm. we'll keep going. Like, hey, are you okay? Like, just kind of taking for mm-hmm. granted that he is,
2: and he's, and
0: yeah. then he recognizes that he's not. So there's like that extra then, layer of tragedy. And yeah.
1: then it st- It it stays, and you see him start to mourn. Yeah, he yes. like hugs yeah, his yeah. dead body and yes. is sad, and, and then he just they like cut like away.
0: lowers his head. Like, yeah, in, like, and I don't know. There's something very, yeah. It's I'm like, wow, I was like, wow, I totally forgot about this And
2: six year old me was like what happened to (laughs) his friend
1: (laughs) they killed one of the teddy bears why would
2: they do that and these are happening while we have no idea what the ewoks are saying they could be saying all types of obscenities in their their language but like you know to to us we're (laughs) just like they're 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 fully on board with what we're doing and uh they're adorable but then they have that moment um yeah, I'm pr- again. You're not gonna get me off this pro Ewok train. They're they're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> if you're anti Ewok, you're anti America. That's what I say.
1: Listen, <laughs> fair enough. I'm not gonna argue with you.
0: Um, so I know we've been going for a little while. I did just before we wrap things up. I wanted to ask both of you, and honestly, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was watching the version on Disney Plus. Um, I'm sure I watched a different version when I was younger um where some of the changes that had not like I think I watched the 1997 um special edition like originally mm-hmm. and they probably there were changes in that version but there were additional changes since then obviously with the prequels um so I'm just curious how you, you guys experienced this move like i guess a the version that you watched and b um how you felt about those changes did it throw you out of the movie at all or did you find that it actually kind of worked uh how did you feel in general or if there's anything specific that you want to highlight
1: yeah so So, the version that's on the version that's on disney plus is the 4k rest uh, restoration that they released a couple years ago and so in that one they actually cleaned it up a little bit they they toned down some of the special effects that they added to it in the 1997 one, which I think probably helps a little bit. Um, And then they did include some of those prequel elements like the Anakin at the end. Um, And I, I just think it's always funny that like it's a really interesting kind of moment in time when they did that initial re-release and they put all of those um, CG effects in there because it was really this kind of optimistic, uh, bullish idea of like, this is, state-of-the-art technology and it's never going to get better than this (laughs) and it's like and now when you look at it it's like that is the stuff in the movie that ages the worst like Mm. the stuff from the 70s holds up so much better than the inserts that they did from 1997 and i'm glad that they toned it down a little bit but you know we still have that whole kind of like dance thing like that whole musical number in jawa's palace (sighs) that is just really Whole thing. Although I will say that she that that character reminds me of, and may even be the same character from the Clone Wars. Um, and that character was great, and I really liked her. And so I suddenly found myself slightly more invested again because she has this great kind of like double reverse turn in one of the arcs of that show. Um, yeah, we need
2: more love for the Twilights for sure. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I just I can't. It also like the choice to have like the Twilight kind of like get sent to the pit before the we see it in like i don't get that choice like why would you oh no do no
2: that? i think that no here's the thing i think that's economical because you need to set the stage for like how much of a piece of shit java is like you know we we, I, we sort he's of take a for giant a giant
1: slug that like is yeah molesting we need people to, I, no like, but we feels... need
2: to like <laughs> like we, you know, i was you know, sold. like we we know what java the hut means like we've been alive for like our entire life <laughs> But like, you know, you need that like he's you are meeting him for the first time you've heard about him, but you need to see just how like disgusting he is. And the fact that he's got this like dance number going and everyone's like having a good time and he just decides, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to like sacrifice my dancing girl, you know, because for for no reason whatsoever, like it's just that extra layer of oh, he needs to go. Like, so later, you know, two scenes later when he dies, you're like, yeah, nope, no problem whatsoever. This is what you deserve. Like, we yeah, know I how, you know.
1: I was al- I was already sold. I didn't need extra. <laughs> and I and I hate that they kind of, like, it previews the moment of the pit that's so great. And it's like, just let that be introduced in the movie the way it w- was already. I think mm. that that's, you know, it's like we don't need that. Because then you ruin that kind of, you know.
2: i I saw it as more of like i saw it as more of less of a surprise and more of like uh this is what the threat is this is what the rancor is you know so when luke goes in there and with the random guard uh you know uh (laughs) you know um like you know what how much of an issue it is like what one scene that always stands out to me that like i'm glad um they sort of touched upon in the the boba fett show of you know of which there are mixed results on you know in terms of like the idea that the rancor trainer like mourns the rancor you know when the rancor dies like i even remember as a child being like oh that was that was weird you know there's this guy (laughs) who cares about about this monster who killed everybody like that's that's an interesting choice and i respect it
1: it really it really complicates your feelings about luke being heroic in that moment which is weirdly bold of them to do yeah, it's like he
2: did like he did what he had to do but there's still someone who mourns the rancor and like i don't know man you know i mean sympathy for the rancor
1: yeah who mourns the rancor would be like a nice collection of poems inspired by star wars or something yeah like
2: <laughs> Exactly,
1: Justin, what did you think about the kind of you know the special effects and the story of that and the revisions and all that stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, I'm sure I'm not the first person to, you know, i'm I'm sure this point has been made endlessly at this point, but um, you know, I wish there were a way to have an option to mm-hmm. view different versions of the movie. Yes. like it's fine if you want to do additions and some of them actually like sometimes it's just like the little things that really um are improvements like are genuine improvements um but yeah like i just in general felt like a lot of the a lot of the cg like really really stuck out to me this time mm. um the 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 two you know additional band members uh, you know mm. singers in that one sequence for sure um uh, you know the the celebration on the planets at the end. I just thought was kind of hilarious. Yes, <laughs> that's what
2: like, that's now I remember. Like, like, like wow, like now wow. I remember what stood out to me is that like so I'm watching the celebration and I, I'm sort of like yeah I remember all these celebration things and then I'm like, are they on coruscant? Like are yes. they celebrating on a coruscant? Like why is Coruscant in my Star Wars? Like in my original trilogy, we didn't we never saw Coruscant in yeah. in the original trilogy and and I remember kind of being taken out of the movie for for a little bit um because that doesn't that didn't feel right. Yeah, you know?
0: and, uh, yeah, and Abu and, as well, right? And you got you actually was, got the gun guns, and I'm just yeah, like, I was, oh, just what I didn't want to see. Yeah, this is I the don't, reason I'm watching the original trilogy. Exactly. Things.
2: I don't need <laughs> I don't need any of these elements of these again because I'm watching you know watching it in the machete order. Like, who are these people? Like, why are these why are these people in my movie? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. And and again, this isn't the perfect time to say that say that. Like, if you're gonna have like, I would prefer whatever nameless actor was originally playing anakin skywalker to hayden christensen um but if you're gonna have hayden christensen also have um uh, what's his name as obi-wan you know Neil also yeah. as, as obi-wan like don't do don't do the mix and match like you know you whatever flip the switch either we get like other guy and alec guinness or um hayden christensen and um and ewan mcgregor don't don't mix and match them that's not right
1: uh, yeah but then it's like how do you not have alec guinness there you know like you can't you can't rob us of that you know so it's i like mean i
2: would say trying. what do we gain by putting in hayden like i mean
1: I, well i okay. i kind of i don't know guys i this is an unpopular opinion <laughs> but i actually like that <laughs>
2: well, i nah. do because i like clone like, wars is, anakin is superior to Hayden in every way.
1: Well, sure, but I mean, which one looks more like uh, the pers- the Clone
2: Wars, <laughs> Anakin, Hayden
1: Christensen, or, you know, bald guy. Um,
2: <laughs> so, I mean, they gave I him a they gave him hair, they gave him hair in the actual, in the actual sure,
1: cut. Sure, I, I like it because it's kind of like, like Anakin, that's Anakin, right? That is our image of Anakin. That's who Anakin was before the fall, and so it's a nice way of saying like he's got he is restored. He is rejuvenated to his former self in death in this sacrifice that he has made. Yeah, But Obi-Wan wasn't son.
2: rejuvenated and restored on death. But, like, but he
1: didn't need to be <laughs> rejuvenated. He wasn't bad. He didn't go to the dark side. His soul wasn't wasn't contaminated by evil.
2: You mm, know, so I I hear you. And I,
0: I believe that's what Lucas himself has said um, to your point, Alex. I guess the so the thing I just the question I have about that scene is are we meant to accept this reality where Luke having never seen the younger version the, of his father the force, is able Justin. to sense him? Okay. I guess I can. It's the force. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it has less, I'm going to say it has less emotional power for me, but I yeah. can sort of, accept I mean, them.
2: I would pre- like, if, if, I like if, if we could do like everything since we can kind of now with technology, like I would live with a world where they aged up. Um, Hayden Christensen, to, like, what he would look like as a 40-something-year-old guy, you know, as yeah, I opposed guess I, to—
0: I just feel like I, you're losing something if you're not making him somewhat recognizable to what we've seen in this movie, especially if you're watching this movie yeah. in
1: chronological—like, in the in order we only of release. See that, <laughs> we only see that guy, like, once, right? Like, for a very but, yeah, blue, but, recognizable But it, But, it, persists, it, you know, it, it,
2: yeah, it kind of takes, you know, like— like when it's again, I my assumption, uh, having you know seen it in the theaters and other times on video or whatever before the prequels came out, was that this was that same actor who had played you know broken down, um, Anakin slash Darth Vader, on yeah. mask, but like all cleaned up,
1: right? Yeah, that you is know, definitely what they were going for at the time, but it's like, yeah. I don't so know, so
2: emotionally, it, I... <laughs> emotionally, it's more resonant to like see that guy looking good than to see some guy you know from 20 years before I mean, that's that's the position i'm gonna stick my flag in and and remain wow. in.
1: <laughs> this is where we this is where we deviate my friend because i just i just i like it i can't i yeah. i can that's all i could say is i like it
0: <laughs> can we agree that maybe it would have been um could we all agree that just seeing james earl jones there as the uh horse
2: ghost <laughs> that would have been, would, would been, been, really been surprising would have been super weird um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, um and especially if Luke was like, "That's my dad."
1: <laughs> I mean, he got his chance to be a Force Ghost in Lion King a few years later, so it was okay. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, I thought it was weird when
0: when they referred to him as a as a Force Ghost in Lion King, but you know, <laughs>
1: it's all good. I mean they were stealing uh, from everything else why not Star Wars too and
2: <laughs> sure I mean look I mean I, I fully he expect it. The Lion King extended universe to involve the force at some point you know I, well,
1: we are getting a Lion King extended <laughs> universe Michael Yeah courtesy of Barry, Barry Jenkins, Jenkins directing right directing it yeah exactly. exactly Uh all right but um
2: <laughs> we've now gone to the absurd range so uh, last absurd thoughts um uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Yes. Are there uh, any 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 last absurd thoughts or any other thoughts of any other kind?
1: They should have checked in with Jar Jar at the end. Also. no, I'm just kidding. I don't
2: agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Too far. The, too far. All too of much.
1: the all, out of all of the things that Clone Wars did for me, it could not it could not bring me around on Jar Jar. That was the one thing <laughs> that they could. Agreed. They tried. Gotcha. They tried to sell me about him. Yeah. But yeah. It, it was not successful. I'm sorry.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I I'll just say as a last thought on this movie and something that I think is really great about it and also maybe something that's not talked about a ton compared to other aspects of the franchise is the sound design is Mm. incredible and I'm thinking everything from the you know the lightsaber to the sound that the rancor makes as it, as it dies was probably mm. more emotionally affecting for me even than seeing the trainer. So, uh, yeah, good, good job. Uh, that's a, that's a whole team of people.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And speaking of sound design, like it's one, one of the things that I recognized from the sequels, which, you know, are not a hundred percent held in high esteem is like the, the crackling of the lightsaber. Mm. You know, I, I felt like that wasn't, really present in either the clone wars or in the prequels the idea of the lightsaber kind of having a heft to it you know yeah. in the battle scenes um you know it's particularly when you know you've got luke and vader like really like sort of pushing up against each other with the saber you hear the like you know um uh, like of tech and you know at the time in the 80s it's 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 not as it's not as flighty, you know, it's not as <laughs> as, um you know, yeah, this is just what we do. We have these light things that 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 are lighter than air and allow us to flip around and spin around, you know, like I. I'm not going to not going to slander the prequels too much, but it's a, it feels <laughs> like a sword. It feels like a sword that is composed of of lasers slash light. And and there's a there's a there's a power to that now one thing that that did stand out that i wish i didn't see because i didn't remember it luke definitely hit someone with his lightsaber and didn't cut them do you guys remember that in the in the uh in the the early scene
1: Uh uh-huh yeah
2: like he uses it as a like a percussive um (laughs) force rather than being able to slice them in half and i was like oh that's that's a bummer but no but i i like the idea of the i still enjoy the idea of the lightsaber having having some some weight to it
1: yeah and i think that they bring that back in the sequel trilogy like some of those like especially like adam driver the the adam driver lightsaber
2: feels feels more of a piece
1: with the lightsabers
2: from this trilogy
1: and i think those actors just really commit to it in a way that makes you believe that there's it takes a lot of Force, no pun intended to wield mm-hmm. those things. Uh, and it and it makes it you feel that impact all right.
0: Well, I think we'll close it up there. Um, mm-hmm. we certainly had a lot to say about <laughs> about <laughs> Jedi. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard not to. Um, but uh, I want to talk about now where we can find everybody. And I think I'll start with our guest, Michael, where's the best place
2: to find your work online? Well, the best place that you can find me is, um, uh, you know,, to, uh, not to shill, but, you know, once a month, I do uh, Goodbye to All That here. Where we talk about TV shows. And, uh, you know, this coming month, um, we're going to be talking about severance. So that'll be fun. Um, also, from week to week, maybe once, maybe twice a week, you can find me on the Racial Draft podcast where we talk about geek culture through the lens of race. Um, you can also find my written work both on Twitter uh, that's not work, but you know, in a way. Uh, in, in, what's what's the term? Uh, through from a certain point of view, it's work. Yes. <laughs> um, at at MTF, I, I, I on Twitter, and um, also at Murphy's Multiverse, where we will well, I'll probably be doing more features and reviews. Um, and and again, um, hopefully I'll be back. Hopefully we'll talk about other things on the Pop Break Network. But um, you know, I'm looking forward to. You guys, listeners, uh, letting your thoughts be known. If you have strong Star Wars thoughts, I'm I'm here for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, yeah we've we've shared a number of strong Star Wars thoughts um, in our day on the Cinema Joe's podcast at yeah. the very least. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I think Noah probably would have had a lot more to say about Timothy
0: Zahn, if I remember correctly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, a big our, Star yes. Wars novel guy.
2: Okay.
1: Yes. That's yeah. our, our other co-host, Noah. It's it's a shame that he had to miss this episode because he is, of the three of us, the biggest Star Wars fan and the one who's most indebted to that kind of EU, like the novels and all of that stuff. And mm, yeah, I'm sure one, one day we'll get him on the record on Return of the Jedi. But until then, yeah. so okay. nice to have you, Michael uh justin
0: where can we find your stuff on the internet uh you can find me at the that's my website i'm also on letterboxd at the cinemaverick i also have a podcast which i mentioned at the beginning podwork angels the rush hour a podcast dedicated to the rock band rush um we uh yeah we've just been going through each album that's pretty much monthly and you can find that on popbreak.com as part of the breakcast feed
1: and as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. Uh, you can follow this show on Twitter at Cinema Joes and subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms. Um, and for my work with Potbreak.com, uh, popbreak.com uh, uh you can find my two podcasts on two of our podcast feeds we have um over on pop break tv where you can also listen to michael's show goodbye to all that uh, you can also listen to my show that i uh, host with um two great friends over on Popbreak, uh called tv break where we kind of run through um the the monthly topics uh news and reviews and and uh, streaming wars updates uh, and then over on the breakcast, uh, you can listen to my podcast called Bill versus the MCU, where me and um, Pop Your Editor in Chief Bill Bodkin are slowly walking through all of uh, the MCU uh, one month at a time. We, we review three to four movies a month, and we're going to finish it all in a year. So that's our project. So wow, definitely that check that out. It's It's been a blast doing this uh, the last couple of months. So excited to see where it heads.
0: Yeah, and for now, for the Cinema Joes, this is Justin Mancini signing off.